Welcome back to part two of the big three episode. We're going to dive right back into here to talk about Paul de Marquillet, Patrick Phillips, and Bacheron Constantin. Let's get this one started. You guys, uh, so before before we jump into good question, like if you had to, if you were able to pick any Patek, which Patek would you pick? I get a Nautilus. Nautilus, eh? Yeah, yeah 100%. You? No, wait, Aquanaut. I love the Aquanaut also. I get the Aquanaut. What's their yeah. chronograph? Like I don't really often look at Patek because, you know, money. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a chronograph. I can't remember. It's a, I, I think I know what you're talking about. There's a very cool looking chronograph. Yeah. Um, I, I think I had it on my list. Uh, I like lists. It looks like it looks like the Carl of Brooker, or Carl of Brooker looks like it, <laughs> right? No, yeah. Sorry, I had it on my list of like the yeah. I would get the gun application, the fifty two seventy p. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. the square pushers. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, fifty two seventy. Yes, yeah. yeah. The one in platinum yeah. with yeah. the rose down and the moon phase. One. Yeah, that's it. So I had this yeah. on my on my never never will I ever yeah, be yeah. able to so, get. So it. you see, like for me, because the, the thing is, a not well, just sorry, just to, to, yeah, before to finish, the thing is that the the Nautilus is obtainable. If you if you walk into a store and it's MSRP, it's eighteen grand US. Mm. Not even kidding. Like okay, twenty five grand. You put your king down. You put a bunch of things and finance the rest. Right, you can buy it. But this fifty two fifty two seventy p, it's a mortgage. <laughs> You're in the hundred thousand. Like you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's just a whole other level. Right. But because a Nautilus is attainable, an Aquanaut you can get it at twenty five k at MSRP if you yeah. you know start I, I sucking like up the Aquanaut dick. And uh, yeah, wow, all that God and damn. that too. You like <laughs> God, it's all, it's all damn. love. <laughs> Or the fifty-one seventy-two G. That's the with these uh, round pushers. Yeah, but they're all they're all great. They're all great. Yeah. Honestly, I I would be very. But for, for me, you see, Carl of Booker of you something really similar looking. For sure, yeah, for sure. Like it's still a good brand, but for sure accessible. Like literally, you can go to a. Oh, Carl of you're really like a Carl of Booker, aren't you? Me no. He likes John Wick. Yeah, no, mm. no, no. But you know, since John Wick, I've like purchased mine Hello, and like the, I like the offering. I like what they, like I've, I've I find it decent. Like it's really good for the pricing. It gives you a lot for what it is. It's I like because it's niche. I'm li- I like that they're not very popular. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like that they're under the radar. The Carla Booker in general. Yeah. And also privately owned company, right? Yeah. yeah family, family owned. Still, still. Uh, it, like that's a family. big. That's a big win for me. I yeah. like independent watch brands. Hmm. I love Zin being independent. They're watching all tooling stuff, but I love that it's like they don't. They haven't been bought by anybody. They've been on their own. They make their own shit and like. You know, I like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's cool. Instead of being like, like Longines, the big problem is that they lose their identity among the other br- Swatch brands. Yeah. Swatch you know, group. like your friend uh, uh, Rob was shopping for a watch and he, I, sp- I called him he, I, because we were chatting and I was like, can you, can you talk? Because I couldn't type everything I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, give me a minute. So I walk into the dog and we're talking. I go, look. And he goes, well, what's the deal with this? I look. I go, it's all Swatch. I go, you buy it, it's an ETA. Hamilton, Mido, Tissot, it's all the same movement. You're going to go to any watchmaker, they can fix it. So don't worry about buying on Joma Shop or something. I go, buy whatever you like. Buy whatever you like and you can't go wrong. I go, and they're all pretty much the same. They're all the same unassuming form factor, movement. It's the same thing. You could wipe off the name brand and you could put Hamilton, Tissot, Longines and right. they all look the same. Unless you get to the Longines heritage, which I think is like this whole other line aside. But that comes to the point where I find that it can sometimes get lost in their identity. Yeah. Swatch brands, you go, it's all just swatch brands. And the same with Richemont. Because some people go, Beaumont Mercier, uh, Jaget Lecoutre. Vacheron. No, no, but... <laughs> it's a part of the Richemont group. Yeah, but no, and then Panerai <laughs> as well. But but you sometimes they, there's some of the mainstream watches that they have, they kind of yeah. get lost along the way. Yeah. And, and they have their own identity with others. Mm-hmm. 
but right. it's 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 you have to you have to know who's part of the umbrella. And I like independent watchmakers. I like Stefan Sarpaneva. I like Habering. I like these uh, Dornbluth and Son in Germany. Like they're great. They're awesome. By the way, speaking of, German, yeah. speaking of German companies, there was a good release recently with the new Hanhard for 17ES, the 38 millimeter. The Red Lion. Man, so nice. God damn. Beautiful pilot watch. God damn it. I love that watch so much. Obviously, we've talked about it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, kind of uh, like becoming more list? visible now. Huh? Shortlist? I don't want another chronograph. That's the thing. I have a chronograph that looks very, very similar. Cool watch, though. Mm. Price is fantastic. Of twenty seven hundred, it's. I don't think you get any more though. The, the limited edition, no, no, huh? no, no, no. It's sold out immediately. Cool. So uh, you should get it. So not so, so well you get the, the chrono, and you get the Aconaut from yeah. the Patek because that was the initial question. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I want. I would like a chrono from Patek. Yeah, fifty two seventy platinum for me, yes, but I'll go with the Aconaut because <laughs> it seems yeah. a little bit more. But to be, a, to, to be fair, I, I not really often look at Patek as much as when I look at cars. I don't look at like Koenigsegg. I, you can't, yeah. I go like, cool, I they mean, exist. <laughs> you, you can look and kind of just be fascinated by, I guess, the finishing and what they no, put in sure, there. No, for sure, for sure. But like, I don't look often sure. to have yeah, exactly. like, oh, that's my model from Patek. I just like, can I get a Patek? If I can, I will, but... <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right? 100%, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, that, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I don't... After that, yeah, it could be any of, any of them. I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll be okay with it. All right. So you are going to be talking about Vacheron. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, that's reserved for Bruce Jenner. He's the hero. <laughs> Bruce <laughs> drives like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh god! All right. <laughs> so the third of the big three. Uh, yeah, talking about woman jokes. No, nope, we're not. We're not doing. Yeah, that. We're, we're not. all this shit out. No, we're not. No, no, I'm gonna be put out. But when I really laughed was on Reddit. It was like someone's like, oh, there's like, there's, like, there's no woman that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is so bad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! It's gonna be a lot of editing work for you. Oh yeah, I know. Nice. Uh, cut this out. Oh, uh, uh, cut this. And we're back. <laughs> uh, that was a uh, her um, humor pause. Yeah. <laughs> her BBC pause. Joke break. <laughs> yeah. Joke break. <clears throat> so, Vacheron. So, what year that the um, AP was founded in? Eighteen seventy-four. And uh, BP. You're putting me on the spot here. Uh, not 1845. So, uh, Vacheron founded in 1755. <laughs> the year was... <laughs> the year was... <laughs> Didn't even know what electricity was. So, it no. took him... St- they <laughs> had the longbow. <laughs> it took him that much longer to, uh, to become so popular. So, the thing right? is, they yeah. did a lot of things. They're, they're in the third generation before both of you guys were... Your big company existed. Right? So... <clears throat> Founded in 1755, uh, since 1996, they're uh, part of the uh, Swiss Richemont group. Oh, they're part of a Richemont group. Okay. Yeah, so since the 90s, they either had a hard time or Vacheron was the best and they got bought because they were the best. Who knows? Okay. (laughs) That's how it Uh, works. Yeah, so Vacheron is considered the oldest um, Swiss manufacturer and one of the oldest watch manufacturer in the world. I tried to look who was the oldest. I think it's Breguet. Maybe, yeah. I heard Breguet was the first watchmaker, like something, yeah, yeah. There's this story where this guy falls out of a fucking wagon or something, and yeah, it was it was Breguet. <laughs> um, it was a Breguet. It's like, oh my god, I just found it in the rock. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> there's a <the> story. <laughs> uh, so since Natu- since, since 1755, they build watches nonstop. They never had um, 
any reason from the history or the wars. You know, in Switzerland, they don't have wars over there. They just look at what's going on. <laughs> and they go, yes, bring your gold. Bring your gold? <laughs> B- bring your coins. <laughs> we'll keep them for you. Oh my God. Um, so as of 2018, they uh, employ um, 1,200 people worldwide. So not only in Switzerland, but that's considered all of their, let's say, boutique and or reps. So not as much as uh, you two guys. I think you're in the 2000s employees. And they both have, uh, it's in the canton of Geneva and Tolvalet Jou. So they started business in 1755 in Valley de Joux. You guys were inspired from a hundred year old company when they, yeah. <laughs> they started pretty much, pretty much. So Jean-Marc Vacheron was the, um, the founder of Vacheron Constantin. And they decided to put that date at 1755 because when he was 24 years old, Jean-Marc Vacheron signed up on his first apprentice. So apprentice. So when he was 24 years old, he hired someone to learn his trade at 24 years old. I was like, I'm so good. I'm going to make other people learn watchmaking. So They considered that the date, but they registered later. <laughs> so it's depending on how you see it, right? But right. 1755 is when the Jean-Marc Vacheron started to uh, teach people how to build watches. Right. Um, 1785. So we're jumping um, 40 years. Yes, 40 years. Jean-Marc Vacheron's sons, Abraham Vacheron, takes over the workshop. So until then, it was still considered a workshop. It was a small building. That thing was going on beside like their them trying to build new uh, complications and stuff like this. He kept the enterprise going despite trouble with the French Revolution. <laughs> so that's how old they are. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> um, and the French occupation of Geneva at that time as well. So uh, they didn't really have two problems later on, but that's the only big time. The big hurdle they had was in 1785. Um, so following that, um, he was able to talk So the son was able to taught the watchmaking to his grandson. So that we're now talking about Jacques Barthélemy Vacheron. So it's 1785, already three generation of Vacheron right. uh, in, into the watch business. So we're jumping now to 1810. Good God, okay. <laughs> you know, back in the days, things were taking a long time. <laughs> My guy wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. They're just looking at like how historical events, famous historical events happened during the time when the company was already around, right? Yeah. Like the French Revolution you were yeah. talking about. <laughs> the the, star, the uh, founder of the company, Vacheron, uh, Jean-Marc Vacheron, was close friends with Voltaire. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you know, they're they're discovering stuff like back then. Some shit. Yeah, so 1810, so we're Jean-Marc Vacheron's grandson, Jacques Barthélemy Vacheron. Assume the management uh, of the family enterprise, Capigny is producing now more complicated timepieces, such as musical watches with two different tunes. So that's 1810. <laughs> <laughs> But two tones, it's, it's two tones. <laughs> so it's pretty much a, a minute repeater, but without being telling you the time, just it's making music with two notes. All right. <laughs> Why is it played in Soviet anthem? <laughs> <laughs> so in 1810, they also start now with the grandson uh, doing the business and more complication. They start producing and exporting to France and Italy. Before more that, business. It, was, it was only in Switzerland. Uh, 1812, two years later, uh, the grandson fully take management of the uh, company and now introduce new complication. So for people at home, a complication, it's anything that's more than hour and minutes. So second hand is uh, pretty much in complication. It's the first uh, first one. What kind of a complication does a second second make? The best or worst one, depending on how you see it. <laughs> <laughs> Then they put an eraser on the fucking Moser. If you see it with your own eyes, then the worst. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't see it, you may wonder. <laughs> It's still shit. 
Um, Man, that so, guy, have you ever heard us? He'd be like, you fucking moron. So in, <laughs> in eighteen twelve, um, with the introduction introduction of the new complication being the second hand, uh, they started doing enamel dials, guilloché, and engraved case back. That's eighteen twelve. <laughs> okay. That's actually when eighteen twelve is when uh, Anthony Patek was born. Yeah. So Vacheron was doing things. <laughs> they were going forward. They were onward. <laughs> Um, hand gear shadows and winding yeah so the, the first watch um, with, with the animal and everything is in the first built watch with that with the signature of uh, Vacheron on it is right. in their museum still in the big museum of Vacheron right so they have like watch number one like right. uh, of complication um, so 1819 we're jumping a little bit forward as well now with Jacques Bartholomé Vacheron the grandson of the founder right was still three gen- Three generation in meets with experienced businessman François Constantin. They merge, and it's now called Vacheron Constantin. But back then it was Vacheron et Constantin. Well, on the paperwork, I well, see. T- technically three words, but yeah, it took um, almost sixty years uh, to be Vacheron Constantin. Before that was only Vacheron. François Constantin uh, keeps an eye on the business, uh, while uh, uh, Bartholomé Vacheron does uh, engineering and create new movement and stuff like that. Right. Um, so François Constantin goes on the road. He started to uh, open businesses in new markets uh, and went traveling for three decades. During his travel, he was writing constantly with Vacheron Constantin. Uh, and one day in 1819, he uh, wrote uh, Bartholomé Vacheron from Turin. And in his letter uh, at the end, he uh, said, do better if possible, but that is always possible. And to this day, that's the Vacheron Follow motto. your dreams. Pretty much. Huh? But, to this day, your dreams. but to this day, that's Vacheron. You conquer Poland, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so to this day, that's Vacheron, um, that's Vacheron uh, motto, right? Um, do better if possible, and it is always possible. Okay. It's nice. It's just saying, it's just another, it's like a nicer way of saying, just do it better. Yeah. <laughs> You're a failure. <laughs> Fuck this up. <laughs> so... 1824, uh, yellow, go- uh, um, yellow gold pocket watch uh, decorated with a map of Italy. Uh, there was, at that time, they were doing custom orders pretty much. You wanted Vacheron, you right. called them. and uh, you Must see- be insanely expensive for that time. Eh? Just, <sighs> I can just imagine, imagine. Making, having a custom watch made for you, which takes like two years to, to create. <laughs> Multiple years, I'm sure. Uh, so that watch, I'll show you pictures afterward. Uh, engrave in a mold uh, using the Champerlet technique. And entirely guilloché silver dial is decorated with 12 animal Roman numerals uh, and uh, arranged in an hour circle. Small second is a guilloché sub-dial for the seconds. Uh, and it features uh, a modern checkboard pattern. So the way they use it, it was the first time they used a checkboard pattern to yeah, do that. What the is whole, the name of this watch, sorry? They don't have a name for it. I'll, I'll show you a quick picture. So that was a, considered one of the big first highly detailed watch for Vacheron Constantin. It was 1824. This watch. Oh my God. Jesus. <laughs> so Fashion is pulling crazy watches and your two companies are not even in the idea yet, right? I uh, guess they're very fast to catch up, eh? Oh, yeah. Well, you Must know, everything smart. was already invented. You just need to do it again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 1830, uh, 1839, we're jumping about 12 years now. Uh, Georges-Auguste Le Lechaud. <laughs> Le Chaud. Le Chaud? Le Chaud, Le Chaud, <laughs> I don't know. He's uh, one of the watchmakers at Vacheron to help him g- do more job a bit quicker. He invented the pantograph. So it's pretty much, uh, can you imagine right now if you um, go and make yourself like a, a um, another key, right? They use a, a machine that like goes follow your key 
on the original one and create a perfect copy on this on the second side. So the same idea, but on the table pretty much. And when you draw, there's a second pen going in the same direction. So it was doing this to create, for example, two dials similar, two cases similar. Because before that, every case was built by hand without like you, you have like a blueprint kind of, and you had to go by high. So now you can follow a blueprint and outline your case and just machine it afterwards. So Vacheron invented that technique internally to kind of be a bit quicker um, building watches. So that's 1839. So with that, they were able to create matrix and patterns to uh, punch mark and create watches just quicker and easier within the, the brand. They won an award in if, uh, 1844 for that, uh, that patent, that creation of a new tool um, from the... Uh, Art Society of Switzerland. So they got the discovery of the most value to the Genevese industry award for that uh, invention. 1869, jumping a bit forward again. I don't think a big gap of years, but nothing G- happened. Giggity. Giggity. So 1869, uh, there's some sort of revolution within the watch industry in Switzerland. Now it's a quest for precision. And uh, they want to make the best, most precise movement and all those things. So as any anything in the watchmaking, all big discoveries are uh, pushed by science, marine chronometers. I know that uh, Kevin really loves to talk about those. <laughs> one of them, love marine chronometers. One of them at that time was the uh, pocket chronometer watch. Uh, so Patek, uh, Patek Vacheron um, started to do some ultra precise um, escapement at that time. To um, they, they get the idea of marine chronometers and started to implement them into uh, pocket chronometers as well. So that that run in 1869 uh, established the chronometry competition in Switzerland. So Vacheron decided to push that forward and it created a competition that's still used today in Switzerland to uh, give awards and calculate those uh, precise movement. So they were there before the competition even existed. That's pretty nuts, right? It was like, oh, we're going to do the best we can and something is, does not exist yet. <laughs> and out of that, it birthed a new uh, pretty much segment of the watchmaking yeah. being highly precise and all those things. That we still, today, like we talk about the precision of a watch, right? Um, the seconds I can keep or lose a day and all those things. It's insane. Like, Vacheron was like 100, early, 100 years early on most of the things uh, they were doing. At that time, 100 years is like two months uh, today's <laughs> time frame, but still, right? It's insane. So 1880, they trademark. <laughs> so uh, it's been uh, 120 years, 130 years. Five years before was when the uh, yeah. Piguet started. Yeah, so they trademark after Audemars Piguet five, uh, fifth anniversary, pretty much. I- I'm guessing that before that, businesses didn't, didn't need to, right? That was a, maybe a new idea. So uh, 1889, they built the first lady wristwatch. It's um. They're, they're Was a it uh, waterproof uh, so that it can survive the? <laughs> oh my god! I have a picture here. I was gonna say I didn't have it. I have a picture here. It looks like a bracelet. <laughs> uh, we'll have to cut that. Big <laughs> um, that's a first lady wrist rush. It looks like a bracelet, and there's a clock. Looks like it. a handcuff. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Is it? Does it come with a? Whoa! Good luck. God damn! And I thought my joke went bad yeah. earlier. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so that um, that watch I just showed you guys, uh, it was the movement in it uh, was called the le tuyau, so the pipe, and uh, it was a what they consider a baguette movement. So uh, twenty six millimeter long for six point five millimeter thick. So it's on the longer side, and on the rounder side. They even built at that time a caliber version of that that was curved. 
to fit different uh, watches. So 19, um, 1906, when they did the curved um, version of it. Right. 1906, they opened the first public, public uh, first store open to the public. Before that, all the w- big watches like uh, AP, uh, Patek, and all those that, you had to call them. And if you ever wanted to meet with them, you pretty much meet in the office of the uh, business. It went to the factory. There's no, it, w- it wasn't a store, right? It was literally just a business as any other. Like I'm guessing today you go to any business who's going to sell you uh, basic stuff for a, a business, like a metal and stuff like that. You don't really have a storefront. You just go into offices. So before 1906, that was the thing with all the big uh, watch companies. So Vacheron started in Portentine and opened their first one in Switzerland. And to this day, they still own that storefront. 1918, uh, they introduced the Packard watch. So oh, 1918 is a big year in the, in the world's history. Well, they're busy making watches. Some dude named Ferdinand got shot. <laughs> <laughs> that was when it was ending, I think. Uh, and uh, that was the year 14 the, to 18, the right? Spanish influenza. Yeah, 1918. Mm. Yeah. It was 14 he got shot, right, for that? Uh, I think yeah. it's 14. Yeah, yeah 14, so it's yeah. first world is 14 to 18, right? Four years? Yeah. And then it was 49 to Spanish 39 to uh, helped. <laughs> there's a, like, there's a whole like band now called it sucks Friends Because there's, there's, there's nothing nothing, nothing about the flu was Spanish. Oh, yeah, exactly. They, well, they, they reported the first. Because they were they, the first that were reporting they were, in. They were not in the war and they were not hiding, not suppressing information in the country. Um, so yeah, so 1918, the Packard watch. Um, so seems a, a simple pocket watch um, was considered exceptionally complex at that time. Uh, it was created for the American uh, car manufacturer and uh, watch collector James Ward Packard. Maybe you heard Packard as yes. like yeah, for sure. So uh, he ordered that watch. So that watch combined multiple unique complications. So chronometer with 30 minutes counter, petite sonnerie, grande sonnerie. So two different uh, sound, a quarter hour and half a quarter hour repeater. Uh, among o- others, it featured also a, a Guillaume competition balance, rock crystal glass, and it was cased in a 20 karat golds and personalized with the owner uh, and logo of Packard's. God damn. Uh, that was 1918 right here. That's a crazy looking watch. Well, clock, right, at this point? Pocket watch. Shh. Pocket watch, okay. Pocket watch. So they're making some pretty, 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 uh, crazy stuff. They they're also making watches for the grandson of Napoleon. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? Also, eh? yeah. <laughs> Is it Napoleon the uh, Third? Also, uh, the same guy was uh, was getting watches from Zapek. I maybe. feel like he just likes watches. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You think Hitler wore a watch? Pro- probably. Probably. Uh, but do, you know liked, what, do you know which one it was? They probably hide parties. the information, right? If it's still... If yeah, I'm sure a company exists. wouldn't want to advertise. Yeah. It was like, hey, we used to make watch for Eagle Boss in my the 30s and 40s. Something, <laughs> 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 my bet would be something German. Probably. Because yeah. they had a pretty decent culture at that point, right? Uh, well, the well, if we look at the the top, the, the original five pilot watches, the Stova, Langenzahn, Vempe, Stoa, and Laco... They provided watches to the the Luftwaffe. What is it? The Luftwaffe. The what's the? You tell me, Dima. German you know, you war know pilots. This guy knows the Luftwaffe. Luftwaffe. The Luftwaffe. So yeah, the, I guess those were <coughs> Nazi watches. God, damn. but they were. Yeah. Well, like IWC, right? Laco. So that's exactly them. what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly what I just said. Yeah. So um, that was 1918, 1921. Uh, favorite of Dima. Oh, historic American, eh? Yeah, well, that, that at that time it was just called American. 
But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't history. It was. <laughs> no. It was the current gen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was current now. Current, so early, current now. Super fun time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the cushion shape design has been part of Vacheron portfolio for over ten years at that point. So that 1921, they had that design in their portfolio since 1910. Nice. Um, I love that watch. I don't uh, know why. It's just that but, shape is so cool. But that thing wasn't selling well in Europe. That design. People were not ordering at that time. We didn't have cars at that point yet. People were not ordering you watches. You don't need to hold your with, horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. So it's the Wearing 20s. Pocket watch are still a dominating trend. And um, wearing a wristwatch is a really strong sign of modern, modernity for someone. It's so, like latest iPhones. Like, look, I have a smartwatch. Pretty like, much. So um, the government Vacheron is- saw an opportunity to introduce a new design to the US. As in Europe, it wasn't working so, so well for this one. And that's what I did. And it worked pretty good for 10 years. <clears throat> Okay. And after that, no more. <laughs> they so stopped making it for ten, after 10 years? Yeah. Interesting. So, and they revived it now, eh? That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So they made it for a good 10 years, and that was a US spec watch. And something I learned from that is back then, the US was um, a, diffi- a more difficult market than the Europe. So in Europe, <clears throat> finishes could be a bit more sloppier than in the US. In the US, people were expecting a better finish on their watches. Oh, interesting. Yep. Is it because US was richer? They were. I, I don't know, but Vacheron said that they... The reference numbers you can see if it's a U.S. market watch, if it's a European market watch, because the European market watch there are less time put on finishes than the U.S. at that time in the twenties. Interesting. You know why? The customer were more uh, demanding in the U.S. They have plus exigent. Okay. That that's not that from the Vacheron website. That's what they said. I didn't find any more information, but yeah. So they were making same watches were available in U.S. and Europe, and not the same type of finishes on, on them. So 1929, uh, the first Grand Complication pocket watch uh, from Patek. Um, and a Swiss resident of Egypt presented this time to piece to King Fuad I. I was a big watch collector at that time. Um, so that uh, pocket watch combined uh, chronograph, perpetual candor, minute repeater, grand and small, grand and small strike. It, at that time, was considered a, a, a masterpiece in watchmaking. Uh, the, um, there was the royal arms of the Egypt army in, in enamel decorated on the case back. Yellow gold pocket that yellow gold uh, pocket watch had a silver dial with the ten Arabic numerals in black. Aperture for the day at twelve o'clock. Subdials for the month, the year um, at nine o'clock. A thirty-minute counter at three. Uh, and ages and phases of the moon at, and a small second at six o'clock. So ages of the moon. How old is the moon, I guess? <laughs> Not the phases, but the ages and the phases of the moon. It's old, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So 1932, the first world time watch with 31 time zones. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, what? <laughs> Good God. That's a lot of time zones. That's like, do we, we? 1932, this is just like the beginning of plane flight. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, Who the hell needs 32 time zones? Someone. Uh, so, Facheron uh, had a collaboration with uh, Louis Cotier and led the creation for that watch. So, the Cotier system, uh, it's the Heure Universelle. That's why the 31 um, time zone. So, the reference for that watch is 3372. And it was unique because of the 24 time zone and you could rotate the outer disc uh, around the center dial, so the outer bezel, to add 31 major international cities. So Vacheron was the first one to do a uh, watch that looked like this, right? With the all the cities that you can choose and make sure that what time was everywhere. Um, so another first for Vacheron there. 1946, so I don't know why there's a gap in their story for 32 to 46. 
Interesting. I wonder Imagine why. what was going on during that time. It's pretty <laughs> quiet. Yeah. Maybe they're producing fewer watches for a brief moment. Yeah. Uh, I was looking in a, a Wikipedia or website. Most of the places, they, there's, a, there's a gap there. Something happened. Uh, Something happened in Europe. I don't know what. <laughs> so in 1946, just after the blank, they created the, the, the most complicated watch ever for, for, uh, in the world and for Vacheron. At, All at of that post-war money, eh? Yeah. A lot of gold. A they had a lot of gold. <laughs> a lot of gold. <laughs> so they created gold. <laughs> <laughs> so Vacheron created the most complicated watches in history for King Farouk, who was the son of King Fouad earlier, who had the first, um, the, 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 the most complicated watch. So that watch featured 14 complications. Um, this watch with 14 complications has two gear train, and the gear train was made out Somebody of. Somebody say train? <laughs> yes, Mr. Train. That's what I have my attention. <laughs> so, the two gear train were made out of 18 karat gold. Uh, there was a carillon minute repeater, Grand Petit Sonnery, uh, three gongs with three different hammers. <laughs> gongs? Yeah, like there's the, the minute repeater and right. there were gongs, right? Uh, split second chronograph, 30 minute counter, perpetual calendar, moon phase, moon age, once again, an alarm, and two power reserve indicator. One in the, f- one in the front, one in the back. What? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Why? Uh, because that because was something can. that uh, King Farouk wanted. Okay, I'm right? just wondering, like, why would you put one he, in? Uh, he asked back for. If you have one in the front. He's, he's uh, requiring. He's asking for excess. Yes. Design 18, me a watch that shows excess. gold drivetrain. Gold is soft metal. Yeah, Your drivetrain is yeah. going to use down so quickly, right? Doesn't matter. I want a gold. <laughs> that's, that's how it was. Do it now. <laughs> gold. <laughs> um, so fifty-five. Uh, 55 uh, the first ultra thin wristwatch uh, so for their bicential in 55 do they have the firsts a lot of like first patents first uh, they, on the website things. they don't talk about patents they just talk about the first on market so sometimes yeah. it might be a little uh, gray zone yeah. gray zone there right um, it's like who has the first chronograph <laughs> kind, of, kind of like when I was reading you out all the things that happened with Patek like all the patents that they, they, they yeah. created they never say that they were the first in the world. They just say first patent, first fi- uh, yeah. patent, patent for this. On the national website, you'll see a lot of first to market, first offering, first this, first introduction of, uh, right? right? It's really uh, uh, kind of a loophole of like legal <laughs> stuff. Right. Loophole. Uh, so fifty-five ultratin mo- uh, wristwatch. In fifty-five, they introduced uh, for the bicentennial. They didn't offer to the public an ultratin wristwatch. They didn't give the spec, but it looked really, really, really thin. Couple months later, down. I'm guessing now it's fifty-six. If they say it that way, send it to the public. The manually one movement is at is at one point six four millimeters. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, in fifty-five. <laughs> Probably easy to break it. It's as thin as their twenty cents coin in Switzerland. That's crazy. It's called the caliber ten zero three. Was it smaller? Smaller than that JLC uh, uh, movement? That was the smallest movement in the world. Caliber one is a JLC. Yeah, JLC, right? <sighs> yeah, but it's, it's smaller. Uh, it's not tennis. It's smaller in the size, right? It's like a grain of rice. <laughs> right. But that's crazy. That's crazy. That's nuts. So yeah, one point six four millimeters in fifty five. That's insane. At the same year, same introduction, they introduced my favorite watch. The Which year? 55. 1955. It's a beautiful watch. Those so 30 years so after amazing. your uh, American. Yeah. Uh, so it's fitted the Orin Log, the classic Orin That's Log. That's pretty much when they started, just the world of watchmaking started creating chronographs around that time. Yeah, it's like, a, I think it's like kind of a boom as well, yeah. right? So everybody, because all the Speedmasters, Daytonas, they all started yeah. in there, right? In the 50s. Yeah. So uh, for Vacheron, is their first anti-magnetic as, as well as uh, water-resistant case. 
Uh, it's in yellow gold, um, and it's their chronograph with an elapsed time counter. So 55, the Condavash. So That's awesome. 1972, look, another jump there. Uh, French government awards Vacheron Constantin the wear and covered Diplôme du Prestige de la France. Vacheron brought out, uh, brought out a new design wristwatch that featured asymmetrical curve case and a novel movement. I want that um, reward from uh, from that watch. Uh, and because of that, Vacheron was the first watchmaking company to win such an award. Okay. Right? But kind of weird that's another country giving them an award as a French government. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what they were doing. Uh, 1977, the Great Adventure 20... 222 to 222. Uh, that's the introduction of the anniversary watch uh, for Vacheron Constantin. And it's a monoblock watch introduced uh, that introduced pretty much the overseas design and lines. So that's why I was saying, you said earlier that it's in the 90s uh, for the overseas, but they introduced a watch in the 70s that had similar lines. Very similar lines, yeah, yeah. Right? So they call it the Great you Adventure. Know, do you know when they came out with it in the 70s? 77. So it was after. It yes. was after the Royal Oak. It was after yep. the... Yeah. So 77. And it was for the 222nd birthday of the brand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they hold. <laughs> so old. <laughs> so old. Um, 1992. Huge jump again. I just wanted to uh, highlight the world tennis... Uh, tennis? 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 Tennis. <laughs> Minute repeater. Penneth. So the caliber one seven five five manually wound ultra thin movement. Uh, they created a minute repeater that um, was uh, as thick as three point two millimeters for a minute repeater. <laughs> it's pretty insane. That is pretty insane. Yes. <laughs> um, so and nineteen seventy seven was the uh, introduce of the Great Adventure, and nineteen ninety six is the birth of the Oversea Collection. So they were late to the game on this one. But once again, I don't feel that they're, at, at least from what I'm reading, is um, they did it in 77 just to not be left behind, I guess, with right. the like home run of a design from uh, Oak, the god Gerald and Genta. only uh, Genta. Uh, <laughs> we still took them like 20-odd years to like have the overseas line uh, available. Um, 05. So <laughs> to cover the quarter of a millennium of Vachon Constantin. <laughs> Uh, the launch of a collection of outstanding with the, on the website they said that but uh, just the five creation that contributes to the craft of the business of the what they call the Maison uh, uh, Maison uh, des Arts of watchmaking that's the headquarters name um, so they present the five unique uh, mystery clock uh, they're all in pink gold uh, they're all spared engraved by hand uh, reveals highly complicated watches and told the little watches and the most complicated watch ever made at that time for all those five watches, uh, they won the uh, Aiguille d'Or. So it's the highest um, prizes in Switzerland for watches, Aiguille d'Or. From the Grand Prix de Religie de Genève. Yes. Who won the Aiguille d'Or this year, do you know? I do not know. You want me to tell you who it is? Second, second. No. I don't know. The Bulgari Octofidissimo. <laughs> That's what, two years straight for the oh, wow. no, watch? Oh, damn. But it just based on our conversation this year, like, what do they do? <laughs> they just won the Aguida that you're saying is the most prestigious award. So 2015, they are celebrating their 260th anniversary of the brand. Nonstop watchmaking. Um, they introduce the reference 57260. 
could it took them eight years to combine a total of 57 complications. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um that watch we don't have much information about it because it was commissioned and purchased by a, a owner, like a passionate collector of watches. Right. <laughs> it's pretty nuts it's pretty nuts so a guy called Vacheron and I was like I want the most complicated thing you could ever imagine okay sir it'll be a decade and probably a couple of millions of dollars that's pretty crazy right it's crazy god damn so 2017 last year I had information with um, Vacheron uh, the Celestia Astronomical Grand Complication oh yeah I remember that one when they came out yeah so the Grand Complication 3600 3600 um, it's the most complicated watch once again uh, two years after a guy waited, waited a fucking decade for his watch <laughs> two years after the was like fuck you you can do better God damn. Yeah, that, <laughs> one, that one is an insane watch Celestia I think it's called yeah Celestia Astronomical that one is yeah so it's 23 complication uh, three distinct time driven by three dedicated gear trains so it's three watch in one a three week power reserve Built by six it's, barrels. It's crazy. I think for everybody who's listening, I think that watch, there's a very good video on YouTube, I think yes. specifically for Vacheron, yeah. that kind of dissects every single complication in the yeah. watch. So go check it out. Yeah. Once again, they're just showing that Vacheron can do really small um, caliber because that caliber <laughs> is at an impressive 8.7 millimeters high. That one is a clock, right? It's, it's not a pocket watch. No, it's a, it's a wristwatch. It's a wristwatch. Okay, yeah. so I, I was thinking about something else. Yeah. Uh, and with that 8.7 millimeter stick, it has a total component of 514 components. And 514, the, okay. That's the last picture here. That's uh, all I'm saying. That's insane. What an insane looking watch. It's, 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 it's literally three watch in one. It's like, that's the only way I can really it's see nuts. it. It's insane. I don't even know how to, know how to read it's time on it. It's nuts. So that was the uh, almost 300 years of... Uh, business of Vacheron I will try just to highlight some big things um, the only thing I don't really see beside like what you're saying on Patek there's a lot of patent Vacheron seems to be a lot of doing the first but not give, giving too much shit and like ah shit we need to do something now to right. follow up right uh, they don't ever said that the first one in patent office or anything there's the first one to introduce an idea or something and even then you can see the introduction of an a complication or uh, design is there's a, like a gap of 5, 10, 20, 30 years in some cases b- beside the introduction and push, push to market, right? So they're the Maison of Art, uh, what they call it, like uh, the house of arts for watchmaking. Uh, they do push a lot of boundaries. They do crazy things, especially on the thinner side and the smaller side. Uh, but uh, they don't seem to be the, um, oh, we have the first available to customers, this. They're um, right in the market today of the big three, where do you place them? It's hard because I'm a little bit biased because of the big three, the watch I want is a Condavache and it's from Vacheron. <laughs> yeah, but right. who's having the most success? Like, where do they stand? I don't know. Oh, it's not Vacheron, for sure it's not. Vacheron. It's Patek Philippe. It's Patek Because Philippe, yeah. of all the rappers. They all always talk about <laughs> Patek Philippe. <laughs> no, but like the most success, like I think, really, uh, I think all Patek the is, songs. I think Patek is at the top because they have more models. I think Audemars Piguet struggling. All because of the hip-hop. Because outside of the Royal Oak, their struggle. The 1159 yeah. they released was yeah, kind of I a flop. Yeah, I can't think of a lot of brands yeah. uh, that I like from outside of Royal Oak. Vacheron. Mm. The models, yeah. Yeah, sorry, models, yeah. Vacheron, though, I, I, I like overseas quite a bit. I like that Everest edition that they just released recently. Yeah. Yeah. I like their uh, Historique Americaine. There's oh, some yeah, great pieces. Sure. But I think mm. Patek is really the, the top of those three no, there. For me, so. Vacheron is the Historique Americaine, is Historique Condavache. 
Well, right after the fall of the Berlin Wall, so 1990. Oh, okay, yeah. So that, maybe that's are, why, right? They all are. I, I, I'm figuring But they all have roots back in the day pre... Uh, yeah, yeah. But like Vacheron did business non-stop since 1755. That's yeah. nuts. Well, the well was in founded in 1845. 45? Yeah, so for the next like, 100 years, like right pocket <laughs> watches were m- m- the most sought after. Uh, so if they're founded in 1945... 1845. 1845. Yeah. Okay, and did they stop at some point to come back? Because if not, they should be barred. They were established the in Dresden in 1845 by Ferdinand Alang and German manufacturer Alang Zang is admired for the quality of... And Maurice uh, Grossman. It <laughs> uh, was established in Glassout by Ferdinand and Lang in 1845. For the next 100 years, they made pocket watches. Until the Second World War, the company was forced into a 40-year hiatus. In 1990, following the German reunification, Walter Lang, grandson of Ferdinand Adolf Lang, <laughs> revived the brand watch, uh, which in 2000 became part of the Richemont Group, now employing 500 people. Really? They're part of the Richemont company. Group now? Yeah. So they're the same umbrella of Vacheron? I think, I think Breguet is also part of that. Yeah, they're part of that. But like they also have like, and then Lang and underneath like you have, go Richemont. you have, uh, yeah, yeah, Richemont, uh, <laughs> but they pulled out from them some things and yeah, but then you have like Rolex on their own, Patek's on their own. Swatch group is big too. Swatch group is Omega. Huge. Swatch is probably the biggest group, right? Of watches. LVMH is big too. LVMH. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, but I think just, LVMH just is not selling alcohol. <laughs> no, no, but just like in, um, and, and, and So LVMH in watch brands has seven houses. Chomet, Tag Heuer, Bulgari, Zenith, Hublot, Reposi, Tiffany. Was it before last one? Huh? Was it before last one you said? Reposi? Okay. Uh, I'm just looking up what Richemont owns. Man, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, Alain Gensola, Panerai, Beaumont Mercier, IWC, GLC, Uh, Panerai, yeah. uh, Roger Dubois, yeah. Roger Dubois, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cartier, yeah, and Mont Blanc, and Piaget. It gives, and you, good, it gives, it gives you a good idea oh when God. you're at uh, <laughs> when you're at Burks and you see what they have. It's a lot of Richemont brands, right? Yeah, and they're joined with Ralph Lauren. Yeah, yeah. But so, Ralph Lauren watches is uh, no good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dubois was, is worse. Was shitting on Dubois them. Dubois loves them. The teddy bear that he hates. So uh, yeah, so. man, big three. Nice episode. But uh, that that's the end of part two, by the way, because uh, we'll have part two parts. Part two. So we're one. now we're in fifty minutes now. That's well, a long, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a long yeah. one. Well, there was a lot of uh, banter, you know. It's okay, but like I, forth. That, that's the end of part two. So uh, okay, we'll 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 see how things goes uh, for the end of the year, right? So let's unwind this. Bitch. If you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on Big Black Clock official Instagram or email us on bigblackclockteam at gmail.com. Send us your pictures, corrections, ideas, insults. Let us know which one of the big three that you would like and if there are pieces you want us to review. But of course, the caveat that we can afford them. So as always, be good to each other. Eat some good food. Have some drinks. And for those of you who always watch shopping, happy hunting. Thanks for spending time with us. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. For part two. Even. For part two. Oh, God.